Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Around the A, a weekly look at the top stories, news, and interviews from the NHL's top developmental league with your hosts, David Foote and Patrick Williams on the Sports Podcasting Network. Episode four of season two of Around the A on the Sports Podcasting Network. The AHL shortened season is in full swing. Every team has now played a game. Some have been off for about a week or so, and some will be off for uh, about 10 days or so moving forward. But uh, the action has resumed. We've got a busy show coming up here this week. Uh, We're going to get deep into the relocation process, the temporary relocation, at least, of the Stockton Heat to Calgary. We'll hear from Heat GM Brad Pascal. He's also the uh, AGM of the Calgary Flames. Uh, we'll also get to you some audio from uh, Toronto and Lehigh Valley and Syracuse and Ontario as well this week. Uh, so lots to get to here, Pat, as as we mentioned, that uh, games continue to be played and uh, continue for the most part to get off without a hitch. Yeah, uh, I, all things considered, uh the league season is chugging along reasonably well. Uh, there was the Tucson-San Jose postponement this past weekend, three games, uh, because of COVID-19 uh, league protocols. And then just uh, today, on Tuesday, as we're taping, uh, the Syracuse Crunch announced that's uh, out of an abundance of caution. I think we'll be hearing that phrase a lot. Mm. Uh, well, we have been hearing it a lot, and we'll pro- hopefully not hear too mo- much more now, but... Uh, they're postponing a game against Rochester on Wednesday, moving it to next week uh, because of uh, an abundance of caution, as they say. And uh, hopefully, though, that uh, that will become increasingly less common as, as uh, teams adjust and as just the, the world uh, numbers, uh, both in Canada and the States, start to improve. So uh, that's where things are at right now on that front. If it's your first time tuning into Around the A, welcome. Uh, David Foote and Patrick Williams here. You can find Pat's work uh, on NHL.com and through Elite Prospects Rinkside as well. Uh, on Twitter, at PWilliamsAHL. You can find me at Footy on the Air. I cover the Belleville Senators closely for uh, CJBQ Radio here in Belleville and at QuintyNews.com. Uh, it's uh, been a busy week, Pat. Lots of games uh, getting off, as we mentioned, and uh, boy, if we look at the Chicago Wolves, uh, who we profiled a couple weeks ago with head coach Ryan Worsofsky, uh, they are just uh, howling through the start of the season, a 7-0 and to get things going, uh, a record-setting start for the Wolves here uh, to, to get things started. 
Yes, they are certainly howling. Uh, they are devouring opponents. Uh, they're hungry. Uh, here's your uh, uh, pun as you wish. Uh, just an absolute uh, demolition this past weekend of the Iowa Wild. Back-to-back games, especially that first game, was 10-2 to final, 9 nothing at one point. Uh, against that Iowa Wild team that had up until that point been a pretty competitive club. Uh, the following day, a 4-1 win. Uh, they were all shot 41-14. So uh, that was what head coach Ryan Worsofsky was going to really dial in on. Uh, that's even though uh, they're winning and they've uh, set a uh, franchise record for their start. Um, he's not impressed uh, by giving up 41 shots. Uh you can be the top team offensively in the lead, 4.87 goals per game. Uh, but every coach, especially one like Warsawski, who's extremely intense and extremely dialed in uh, on that uh, de- defensive front, uh, he's hammering that message home to his players. And, uh, you know, I think if anybody in that Chicago dressing room is uh, getting a little ahead of themselves, I think Warsawski will bring them down the earth, earth very quickly. Uh, did a fantastic job last year as the youngest coach in the league uh, with the Charlotte Checkers. Uh, they, they had a slow start, and then uh, November rolled around, and for the, the, about the next three months, they were just on fire. Uh, they carried it right into this season uh, with a new affiliation with the Chicago Wolves and then having a partner there with the Nashville Predators coming over, coming over from Milwaukee. So you put those two uh, NHL operations together, and uh, this is what you have, just a team that's just – rolling right now uh, and doesn't look like they're going to stop anytime soon Four first rounders in that lineup. If you want to hear more about how uh, Ryan Wersofsky is handling that dual affiliation and more head back to season two, episode two of around the a, we had a few comments from him uh, about just that. You mentioned the one lopsided win. Uh, I mean, that's not the only lopsided victory we've seen. Uh, Stockton got beat pretty handily by Toronto in, in their opener as well, but, you know, while some people might be, uh, I won't say concerned about those results. Uh, to me, it's kind of expected. I think you've got a team like like Stockton uh, who has been waiting to play and a team like Toronto who's got a handful of games in already. And I feel like these lopsided results are something that we might have to get used to as this season progresses. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think there are two reasons for that. Number one is, like you mentioned, the schedule is this year is extremely uh, off Kilter is extremely wonky. Uh, you have a team like Stockton sitting around for two weeks. Uh, Toronto comes in. They had played four games already. Uh, they were just through a battle with the Manitoba Moose uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, so they were they were fresh. They were ready to go, and it looked like that on the ice. Uh, Stockton uh, definitely struggled in that first game. Uh, and I think the second factor is, is just uh, where the rosters are right now. You got You've got some clubs, San Diego, for example, Henderson, Chicago, that are c- carrying uh, multiple, multiple top prospects uh, and are looking really dialed in uh, and, and could compete in any season against the top clubs in the league. And then you have a lot of uh, uh, other teams. And if we've been over this uh, issue many times where uh, the roster is extremely thin. Uh, the veteran players that typically would populate uh, such a roster are not uh, to be found this year. And uh, the goaltending in some cases is not up to AHL caliber. And so you, you mix those factors in where you have elite level first round talent, and then you have uh, some very weak clubs uh, that frankly um, don't have their rosters up to par. Um, 
you're going to get some some strange results. And we've seen that really from this first week of the season onward. And uh, in Stockton's case, I think that was more a reflection of a of a uh, you know schedule situation. But uh, mm-hmm. there's been some other clubs uh, that uh, look overmatched uh, at many times. And uh, other clubs, like I said, with San Diego, Henderson, Chicago, et cetera, that uh, um, they look like they're in midseason form already. I mean, they, they haven't skipped a beat. And uh, it's been interesting to watch that disparity happen uh, this early in the season where typically teams are more in a, in a filling up process in a normal season. But this year, uh, as with so much else, uh, the normal rules go out the window and uh, here we are. Uh, so trying to prognosticate, trying to get any sense of the standings right now, I think is a fool's errand. And I think uh, that probably will carry through for, for much of the season. Uh, the normal rules, as I said, don't apply. We'll continue our discussion on the Canadian division at the Stockton Heat in particular, uh, coming up with the GM Brad Pascal in a bit. But, Pat, let's finish off uh, the thought on Chicago first. Morgan Geeky has been named the AHL's Player of the Week. Another uh, outstanding couple of games for him. Yeah, uh, well, first of all, I always have to give a plug uh, to anybody uh, from Winnipeg, from Manitoba, who uh, <laughs> makes it big on the AHL stage. Yeah. Morgan Geeky, for the second time in uh, the past five weeks of play, going back to last season, uh, has been named Player of the Week. Uh, and, and what a response. He's, he's sent down by Carolina on Thursday. They play Saturday night in Chicago. 19 seconds, so his first shift uh, into the game, he scores. It's another goal, another assist in that 10-2 win. And then he has a pair of goals the following day. Um, and that is exactly the response that uh, the Carolina Hurricanes won, wanted to see, Ryan Warsawski wanted to see, and frankly, Morgan Geeky wanted to see. And uh, as a result, he was subsequently recalled back to Carolina uh, after that low performance in, in Chicago with the Wolves. But so often we see players when they're sent down uh, – either consciously or subconsciously, they kind of go into a funk and, and it takes them two or three, four games to get themselves back on track. And uh, that's time that's lost. Well, I mean, a guy like Gigi, he just came right in and immediately sent a message to Carolina that uh, I don't want to be in the American Hockey League anymore. And he backed it up with his play. And uh, you can see that standard there. Uh, it's been a very common theme with the Carolina Hurricanes and their prospects in the past number of years. Uh, it's just high character, uh, very resilient type players. And uh, a guy like Martin Geeky really epitomizes that mentality. And that's the way to do it, right? It's obviously always disappointing when you get sent down, but instead of moping about it and, uh, you know, uh, not putting in your best effort because you're not happy to be there, uh, go out and score 19 seconds in and to help your team to a win. That is absolutely how you get noticed. And again, Morgan Geeky noticed for the second time already this season as the CCM AHL player of the week. Uh, let's shift up north and talk a bit about the Canadian division. Uh, everybody's seen some action now. We mentioned that lopsided loss uh, from uh, Stockton uh, to Toronto. The Marlies will uh, continue their long road trip here. The Belleville Senators are on a 11-day break, a little under 11 days as of the recording of this. But uh, I think for all intents and purposes, Things in the Canadian division have been running pretty smoothly, save for, again, having to wait for Stockton to get up and running. Yeah, I think we're seeing the uh, benefits, if that's the right word, of uh, teams 
in the Canadian division. They're following those NHL protocols. Uh, so they're, they're even more enhanced than the American League protocols, which are, frankly are already quite stringent. Uh, and uh, they're able to have those resources at, at hand. And we're seeing that even despite the late start, even obviously despite some of the scheduling issues and the, the provincial uh, restrictions in Ontario that have been ongoing up until uh, recently, that uh, uh, the hard work, the uh, commitment to the protocols is paying off. And so far, so good uh, for the Canadian division. And uh, now I think teams are really going to start able to chug along once the schedule uh, is finalized for the rest of the season. Uh, hopefully everything should get back on track. And, uh, you know, I think this is an example of clubs that uh, are making the best of it. Uh, the Canadian division is a particularly challenging setup, I think, because so much of it is, is spread out. Uh, you stretch all the way from Montreal to Calgary and, that involves uh, air travel, that involves uh, a lot of uh, lengthy road trips, uh, as opposed to, let's say, a Providence, which is every game is a bus trip uh, up and back on the same day, um, minimal travel. Uh, Canadian division, just by the nature of the geography, uh, is much different from that. Uh, yet teams there are still able to really uh, handle those challenges and, and make the best of it. I think uh, – as we hear from Brad Pascal later on, uh, this year is all about uh, your ability to adapt, your ability to uh, adjust to ever-changing situations, and frankly, your ability to make the best out of what are not ideal circumstances. And uh, we're seeing so far the Canadian clubs uh, doing that quite well. Yeah, no cases or delayed games or anything in the Canadian division. Things continue to, to run pretty well. Everybody has played now, and I mean, I guess the only uh, speed bump really is kind of that 11-day break that uh, each team is going to have to essentially deal with. Stockton started with that lengthy break because they had to go through their quarantine and the relocation and things like that. Belleville kind of next in line. Uh, they were in Laval to play four games and are waiting for their quote-unquote home opener at the Canadian Tire Center in Ottawa. Toronto's on this lengthy road trip, and Manitoba's going to hit the road for the first time. How do you feel about this 11-day break? Do you see it as a, a big detriment to these teams, given that this is a season about development? To me, it seems like, while it's not ideal, it's certainly somewhere that you could uh, absolutely make some improvements with that extra coaching time. Yeah, certainly. I think early in the season, it's better to have that kind of break where you play your first few games, you, you survey what worked, what did not work, uh, and now you can kind of retool here with that 11 day break. Certainly I think the Belleville Senators had some, some real struggles in that four game series with the Laval. So uh, this is an opportunity for them to go back to the drawing board uh, to work on some of those issues. Uh, so in that sense, an 11 day break is never ideal, but if you're going to have to have it, at least have it early on and, and uh, use it productively. Um, but uh I think it just comes back to, I think it's a minor miracle. Uh, and that's prob probably an understatement that the league is even playing this season. So if you can get uh, any games in this year and get your development going and, and get these players back on the ice, uh, all the better. Because, uh, you know, a few months ago, uh, it was not looking great uh, for, for anything resembling even a slightly normal season. So the fact that you have 28 out of 31 clubs uh, playing all 31 NHL clubs represented in one way or another, 
is a major victory, I think, for both the, the AHL and the NHL. And now if you can adjust to some of these less than ideal circumstances, you, you can really, if you play your cards right, you can come out of this pretty well. Uh, and then hopefully, and then we will, we said this again, we'll keep saying it. You want to set yourself up well for next season. Next season is kind of the finish line that most teams have circled. And if you can get there uh, and keep your players development relatively on course, you're going to be so much further ahead than otherwise. We've got lots of audio coming up later on in the show. We'll hear from Rich Kloon from the Toronto Marlies, uh, rookies aid wisdom from the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, uh, Ben Grew, the head coach of the Syracuse Crunch, and John Robleski, the head coach of the Ontario Reign, all coming up. But before we get to them, let's uh, move on to our feature guest this week on Around the A, the general manager of the Stockton Heat, Brad Pascal, also the assistant general manager of the Calgary Flames. He played three seasons as a pro defenseman before taking on an executive role with Hockey Canada and then moving on to work for Calgary. Uh, lots to touch on coming up here with Brad. Yeah, Brad has uh, he's had his hands full the past month or so. Uh, every general manager around this league has, but uh, and really no, none more so than Brad Pascal dealing with what he's had uh, eight days before the season was supposed to start. The word officially came down that the Stockton Heat were temporarily relocating to Calgary for the year. Well, anybody who's ever done anything cross-border uh, knows that that is a major challenge, and that's when you don't have a pandemic in front of you. Uh, when you have a pandemic, it's even more so. Uh, and He's going to take us through that whole uh, long journey of getting everything set up uh, in Calgary for the Stockton Heat and all the adjustments that that means. Uh, it, there, there are a lot of things behind the scenes that uh, both fans, media, even honestly players don't see. Uh, and uh, it's, it's essential details, but uh, they're not the glamorous details. So uh, cer certainly having a general manager like Brad Pascal to be on top of things and someone that can really make things happen is a huge advantage in this type of situation for the Stockton Heat, who frankly are, are facing in a, in a year full of challenges for every club. Uh, probably no club has been more challenged uh, by their circumstances than, than the Stockton Heat have. Plenty of challenges, but they've made it through thus far. They're finally on the ice, are the Stockton Heat, and their general manager, Brad Pascal joins us next. As we move on to that, though, we'll remind you to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it, rate and review as well, and that'll help us out. And again, shoot us a follow on social media at Around the Pod. Here's Brad Pascal, the general manager of the Stockton Heat on Around the A. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Looking forward to it. So this is, uh, again, pretty unique circumstance uh, to have to move and relocate a team, you know, not just to another city, but to another country. Uh, can you walk us through a little bit about how this process kind of unfolded and, and the steps that were taken to get to where we are now? Yeah, I, I, the... Probably the best thing was, you know, everybody was in a state of flux for a number of months and including on the return to play. And obviously with with our NHL team based in, in Calgary and in Canada, um, you know, we had regular communication with, you know, with our provincial government and then looking at the rules of, of uh, 
of COVID and how that pertains to border and access and access for players and what have you. And throughout that process, we also had a number of conversations with the city of Stockton and the arena and, and uh, you know, was really understanding of, of, you know, what the problems we had were and, and where they were at with things as well from a, from a state and, and a county in California. So ultimately we came, to, we came to a point where we had to make a decision as an organization of what way we, what way we were gonna go, where we're gonna operate in Stockton, um, ensuring that you know, we had all the approvals to do so, or where we were gonna to move the team up to Calgary. And, and we had both um, aspects on the go at the very end there when we had to make a decision. And ultimately we, we felt that the right decision for us is a temporary move to Calgary and uh, you know, based on everything with COVID border restrictions and and how that would affect player access and and ultimately how it affects player development in this uh, in these times. The uh, the move came rather late. Uh, the schedule had already come out for Stockton to play out west. Uh, what are the logistics like in pulling off a move on such short notice? Moving players, moving staff, moving equipment. What's that process like? It was hectic, David. I'll be honest with you. We, you know, lots and lots of communication. Uh, you're right. We, you know, the plan was, and the focus all along there was we were going to play in Stockton, worked on a schedule, talked to all the Pacific Division teams in the American League, and then worked that out, and, and then ultimately made the decision to move to Calgary. And you're right, the schedule's out there, and um, and the logistics around it. You know, with training camp in the NHL side here. Uh, happening in January, the NHL um, had a rule change, if you will, of, of allowing players, once they've been assigned to the America League, they had to be signed immediately, which I believe was the 12th or 13th, and then they extended that to the 20th, and then further extended it. So that allowed us for all of our players that, that were here in Calgary already, that attended that camp to stay in Calgary, uh, keep skating, keep working out. So that, that part was... Um, if there was an easy part, that would have been it, that we had a, a good number of our core players that were here skating, working out. And then from there, we had one player that came over from Europe, and then we had a number of our American League contracts that, that we'd signed in the previous months uh, come in, quarantine, and then join that group. So it was a gradual process from, let's call it maybe the 20th until uh, the start of February of you know, we, we probably went from 14 players and then jumped up after quarantines to 18 to 20 to 23. And, uh, and then we got to a point where we could have, you know, good full practices. Um, but lots of logistics, all of our hockey staff uh, made the move from Stockton, you know, they were they were there, um, had their homes or apartments. And so we had to relocate all of them up here. And uh, so a lot of logistics with that, but, and then of course the schedule, you know, working with the Canadian, other Canadian teams and partners and, and uh, try to try to put something together. So it was a busy few weeks. There's no question. Brad, for, for, for people who aren't familiar with, with the border and with details that go into that, what are some of the restrictions that would have been in place had you stayed in Stockton for this season? Yeah, it, it, I think ever changing, Patrick, you know, it's uh, most recently, you know, the government of Canada has made those restrictions even even more difficult. Um, and, and really, you know, I think in a good way is they're trying to control COVID, uh, you know, from coast to coast in Canada. And these are, you know, some, some strict restrictions that they're putting in for the public. And, 
and so what that is now, if we stayed in Stockton and we wanted to bring a player up, it'd be 14 days of them being quarantined, um, getting tested, obviously as part of that, but you know, not available to the parent club for 14 days. Uh, the difference, you know, the difference now, if the Flames and Stockton are in the same city in Calgary, we can make a, you know, a move instantaneously that day or, or the next day. Um, you know, so that's a benefit of avoiding that, you know, the 14 day of you can't bring somebody in. Um, now in saying that, when you look at our schedule, a lot of times when we're at home, including, um, including this week, we're home against the Marlies, but, uh, and our, you know, the NHL club is on the road. So the, you're going to have a little bit of that, not only with our team, but with all the Canadian teams, but to answer your question right now, it'd be, it'd be a 14 day quarantine from anybody from the U S coming into Canada. And so in hockey, obviously, everybody works in that business. You know, you like to control as much as you can control. And so all throughout this last 10 months, that's not been the case. How, how are you, your colleagues, everybody in the hockey business handling that loss of control uh, over things that you typically do control? You try to plan ahead. That's for sure. We, you know, we, you have discussions of looking ahead and, and what things might happen, but you're right, Patrick, like it's, it's one of those things where you, you, we all early on and you go back even to the summertime when, when we, when the NHL had the, you know, the league playing out of the bubble in Edmonton and in Toronto. And even at that point for our NHL group, we, you know, we were just saying, Hey, you have to shrug your shoulders and, and so many things are out of your control. So, um, you know, we can only control so much. We can only plan so much and we're going to have to pivot and we need to just, you know, stay focused as best as we can. So we've really taken that approach into our American league um, and talking to our players and talking to our coaches is expect the unexpected. And that's, you know, I think that's how we all, not just in hockey, but we're all living life right now is just, um, you know, things are going to change. Rules are going to change. Uh, rules are going to get stricter in our protocols and they have gotten stricter. They've changed from, you know, the type of masks we wear to pulling glass out uh, behind the benches and what have you. And, you know, th those are good things. They're good things because uh, we're following all the NHL protocols as our team and the Canadian teams. And, you know, we're, we're doing our best to keep everybody safe and keep in a, in a competitive environment at the same time. And then uh, just in terms of the protocols, are you, Are you following, following Calgary, Calgary and the NHL protocols to a T uh, as being based in Canada? Yes, we are. Yes. Uh, um, we're, we're following, you know, the strict guidelines that the NHL protocols are, uh, including Alberta Health and our local public ordinances. Um, but we're following them all to a T. So we have daily testing and how we, uh, how we structure meetings, how we structure players set up in the dressing rooms and, and workout facilities and spread out and, um, and, and, and everything to the like. So yeah, it's, uh, it's like I say, it's ever changing and it's, uh, it's not normal, but of course this is the new normal, but to your, answer your question, Patrick, yeah, we're following the NHL protocols uh, to a T as our group and, and all the Canadian teams uh, in the American league are, are doing the same. Chatting with Stockton heat to general manager, Brad Pascal, uh, Let's talk about some of the advantages and disadvantages, Brad, of, of making this move. You already mentioned, uh, you know, player uh, proximity, I suppose, to uh, to the NHL club. 
Are there any other pluses to bringing the team north of the border this season? And uh, is there anything that uh, perhaps would have been easier by staying in Stockton this year? Yeah, good question. I, I mean, having the team right under our nose is, it, in my opinion, it's a good thing because it gives our management group, our NHL coaches, um, just a closer view. You know, obviously, when we're based in Stockton, our management group coaches watch all the games on AHL TV, um, you know, but won't have the ability to sit and watch practice from time to time. And, and by having the team in the building here, um, you know, separate, obviously, like, you know, on an average day, let's say the NHL team practices at 11, Stockton might practice at three or four o'clock once all the NHL players leave and, and keep things separate. But having the ability to, uh, you know, that Brad living watch practice from up above and, and, you know, just have a sense of what's going on and, um, you know, have that, you know, seeing players, uh, you know, in the parking lot or what have you, and, and just have that better relationship with the team um, and having more eyes on them. I think that's a real positive thing. Um, you know, from a player development standpoint, it's, um, you know, we're, we're looking, I mean, right now we're just looking to play games and, and to develop players Stockton is a great setup for us. And, and, you know, it's been, a, it's been a good place player development wise. We've, we've been fortunate to graduate a number of players to our NHL club over the last few years, and uh, they've been key players with our NHL club. So we feel that we're, we have a good player development model of how we're pushing guys through and pushing guys up to the NHL. Um, but the biggest thing about being in Calgary is just having those extra eyes on the players. Is that even more important this season, given the fact that uh, this is pretty much a development year? There's no sign of playoffs or anything like that on the horizon, and and the key is to just you know help your players to get better this season. Yeah, I think so. I I, I think it's I, I think it is important. It's um, you know it's, it's so many things up in the air and and so many ways of of you're not knowing what's going to happen the next you know the next minute or the next week. So. I think it is a good, you know, for us, ultimately, we made that decision from a player development and a player supply. And, you know, this year more than ever, it's it's more focused on player development, as you mentioned. So we feel that, you know, by being here, we, we can accomplish both those goals and, and focus on player development. You mentioned, obviously, the protocols and the, the late day practices. Uh, the routine for the AHL is really being thrown off in all of this, how are uh, the players and, and perhaps the coaching staff responding to uh, that change in routine, given the fact that hockey players and, and people around the game are pretty routine oriented people? Yeah, they sure are. And uh, it's, uh, you know, everybody's accepting of it. I'll, I'll be honest, in talking to the players, you know, we played, we, we were, I believe, the latest team to, to start playing games here. So our, our players were really just focused in on, hey, we just want to play, we just want to compete. And uh, we can hardly wait to, to get in some games. And, you know, I think they were sick of player development and practicing and doing skill sessions. Uh, you know, ultimately, I think it's made them better. And I think, I think guys have, have, uh, have, you know, have increased their levels of strength and, and weight and quickness and those types of things during this off time. But, um, yeah, that's the biggest thing of the players is, you know, they're accepting of it all. They're accepting of the change. Uh, and ultimately, they're just excited to, to compete. All right. Uh, as far as road trips, uh, there's a good likelihood that uh, we don't know. The, well, obviously, we don't know the whole schedule yet, but you're, you're not going to have those short trips to San Jose, maybe a trip down to Bakersfield. 
uh, you're going to probably get on these four to six game, maybe longer, uh, as we're seeing some of the Canadian clubs have to do. Uh, how does that change planning and just overall uh, the course of the season uh, for you? You're right. The, the, you know, our schedule is just being finalized, and I believe we're going to look to release that in the coming days from the league standpoint. Um, and, and you're right. I think from a of, – of planning as a group with the Canadian teams, now we jumped in late, obviously, into the Canadian division here. Um, but one of the things was managing costs for everybody. We're spread out, and, and with us coming in, we're forcing the other teams to come this, this much further west, and we recognize that. So I think, you know, it's accomplishing the goals of player development, playing games, and then ultimately for all of us, uh, including the, you know, Stockton, Calgary organization and all the other Canadian teams was managing our costs. And how best to do that is not doing the one-off games and um, we're going to play one or two games. It's, it's when you're going to go on a road trip, you're going to play six or seven games and, and, um, and limit your limit your really your flight costs is what it is. Everything's a flight for us and everything's a flight um, for guys to come out this way too. So that's the, that's probably the biggest change of what we're looking at, but you know, for us, it accomplishes, accomplishes our goals of, of playing games and, and being in that competitive environment. And then traditionally this league is almost in some ways, almost been four leagues in one, each division, you kind of uh, traditionally stay within that cluster for the most part this year, you're, you're getting exposure to new clubs that you haven't ever seen before other than Manitoba. How's your relationship with some of the, the different uh, the management teams out in Laval and Belleville, you know, Toronto, et cetera, uh, this season? Yeah, I guess one of the things, especially from Brad Shalevin, um, you know, in my seven years here with the organization that, you know, that he taught, mandated myself and others is just is is always having those relationships and always touching base with them. So uh, I'm active in the in that communication area of, of calling managers, calling assistant GMs from other teams uh, throughout the year. And uh, this year is no different. But um, so you know, I have those relationships already with, with the Canadian teams and the, and the assistant managers and the AHL GMs. Um, so for me, that's, you know, it, it was a seamless thing to, to pick up the phone and, and start planning this out with those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just through my travels, obviously, you know, have the opportunity to, to scout games and, and go, you know, throughout the American League and watch games. So, uh, but for our, for our coaches, hey, you're right. Some of this stuff is new and, you know, they're playing – against new coaches, new systems and what have you. And, and, but, you know, granted they had, they had lots of time on their hands to, to watch video from previous years and, and get a little bit of a, you know, a sense of, of who these teams are and what some of their consistent players over the last couple of years would be and who we're going to be facing. And, um, you know, they're prepared for sure. So. And then uh, obviously I've bumped into you uh, many times on the road before, uh, you traditionally like to get around the league. Uh, how's that being affected this season in terms of what you're able to, to do in person and, and, and see different clubs and, and scout? Yeah. It, it, unfortunately it's been all on video for me and uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be with our Stockton team as we travel and, and be able to, you know, to see this Canadian division. So you got to think that I'll, I should have that locked down as I'll be watching all these games in, in our division. So, um, I think I'm no different than, you know, many of the other managers and many of the other pro scouts that are out there is I think um, for the most part, guys are doing local coverage or, 
you know, or you're watching games online. I think that's been the focus for our organization and, and many other organizations that I've been speaking with is, is, uh, you know, utilizing video and, and, you know, just with the restrictions on travel and, and restrictions on a club to club basis of what you're doing for expenses and what have you. I think video has been paramount in, in preparation leading into to future years and leading to, to the off season this year. Couple more questions here for Stockton Heat GM Brad Pascal. Um, just wanted to, to get a thought on having your AHL guys be able to play uh, at the Saddle Dome, uh, be in the NHL building. Obviously, no crowd there, uh, which certainly changes things. But is there uh, maybe a little bit of added motivation to have guys play in the big rink and and be around that NHL atmosphere, uh, even as different as it is right now? Definitely it is. I, I think it's a, I think it's a real positive thing. And the players have talked about that. We've talked to them and, and, and they're excited. They're excited to be in an NHL building. Just, you know, everything's a little bit different. I mean, the seldom as the oldest building in the league here, it's, it's uh, I mean, lots of history and heritage with it as well, but you know, I think the lighting and the game presentation and, you know, it's, it's top notch, it's NHL. And I, you know, knowing that this is the ice that they, that they want to be on in the NHL, I, it gives them that extra motivation. It does. And, um, and I think for us in the long term, it gives them that familiarity of the building too. So if and when they do get called up, um, you know, this is essentially is their home building. They practice here for, for months on end and now they're playing games. So, you know, I think hopefully that provides a little bit more of seamless transition from AHL to NHL. And, and you, you think that that would help with performance as well. And lastly, uh, obviously, it's a short season. Uh, we've talked about all the differences and the challenges. What's the goal for, for the Stockton Heat this year? Um, we mentioned player development, but uh, what do does management see as, as the goal for players and staff uh, in this shortened campaign? Yeah, one of the things we talk about a lot, this year is no different, is progression. Progression of our players, progression of the organization, and, and that's that's probably the biggest focus from, you know, from a first year guy or a third year guy of, of how they progress throughout the year. And, and, you know, part of that is playing games and how they're, you know, how they're moving things along by playing games and how they progress that way. But I think that's probably the best way for us is to summarize it is how the guys progress through our schedule here, how they progress on a daily basis. And, you know, that would go everything from nutrition to power skating to their strength and, and what have you. And ultimately they're playing on the ice and, and, you know, we'll, we'll rank that in different areas. Obviously, points is one of them, but, you know, how they play in, in all different zones and, and how we break down their analytics on that as well. It's, again, as we say, a unique situation. There's been a lot for the Stockton Heat to adapt to, but uh, you've done it so far, and uh, games are underway. So good luck uh, through the rest of the season here, and thanks for doing this. Thanks very much for having me, guys. We really appreciate it. This episode of Around the A on the Sports Podcasting Network continues. Big thanks to Brad Pascal, the GM from the Stockton Heat, for his time. And thanks as well to Brandon with the Heat PR for uh, setting that up for us. So we've, uh, I think, every week been uh, given some dap to all those PR staff around the league who've been helping us uh, to not only set up those one-on-ones, but also the uh, media scrum calls that we've been able to gather some audio from. And we've got some audio from a few of those coming up here in our final segment of the show this week. 
Uh, we're going to start in Toronto, follow up a story that we talked about on the show last week. Andrew D'Agostini, the goaltender for the Toronto Marlies, uh, in as a free agent, essentially, after some injuries and some shuffles uh, up to the NHL club for the Maple Leafs and uh, had a pretty good start after, uh, you know, we talked about last week, but continued his pretty strong play over this uh, current week, Pat. Yeah, 27 years old. He finally gets his first real shot at an American Hockey League job, and he plays five games in seven nights, uh, all of them in NHL arenas uh, to boot. Uh, he played his first four in Winnipeg uh, at Bell MTS Place, and then uh, they made the trip out to Calgary for, for the first game there in the Saddle Dome. And uh, he's been fantastic through his first five games. He's three and two. He's got a 2.03 goals against average and, and a 9.25 save percentage. So it just goes to show you that uh, when a player gets an opportunity, even after some, everything he's been through, uh, the long journey through the ECHL, even going down to the SPHL at one point, uh, major injuries, uh, a long belt with pneumonia last season, um, he's still he's still going at it and uh, he's earned a ton of respect from his teammates, from his head coach, Greg Moore and uh, people around the league are certainly taking notice of what he's doing. Yeah. This is perhaps uh, one of the best stories uh, from the AHL. Uh, He's been through a lot. Uh, He's managed to, you know, as you mentioned, fight off that illness and uh, really battle through some, some tough assignments we'll say as far as where he's ended up in his career and we should say we're, we're hoping to nail down Andrew D'Agostini for uh, one of our upcoming episodes of Around the A because he's a great guy to talk to and uh, certainly should have some stories to tell uh, from this season and previous as well. But what do the veteran guys around the Toronto Marlies think of the performance of Andrew D'Agostini? Well, uh, one of their uh, you know, perhaps most well-known veterans, Rich Clune, uh, shared some thoughts with the Marlies TV last week. Amazing, I think, if you watch them plays certainly a fiery competitor in the in the cage and he's got a very compelling story climbing his way up the ranks through junior and pro and he's a good Scarborough boy I'm not quite from Scarborough I grew up right on the border but um, he's well known in those parts and he's been a very very uh, a very good teammate off the ice I think he's a very humble kid he was obviously raised by by nice parents and um, we love him here and he's playing amazing Always great to get that kind of perspective from veteran players, especially a guy like Rich Clune, who, let's be honest, has been on the Marlies roster for a few seasons, doesn't play a whole lot. Uh, he's, he's got into a few games already this season, but uh, he is a, a veteran, you know, by textbook definition, a guy who's really used sparingly, but is a great team guy. And certainly there's a reason as to why Rich Clune continues to hang around the Toronto Marlies organization, even without getting a whole pile of ice time. Yeah, every team needs a few of those guys, the guys that kind of play that big brother mentor role uh, for the young kids. Uh, I think at a certain point, the coaches can only do so much. They can only say so much. Uh, young players sometimes need to hear it from from their peers, and they need to hear it from somebody who's who's really been through the battles uh, with them. Uh, and Rich Clune is – that's why he continues to get contracts – with the Toronto Marlies, one of the premier uh, teams in this entire league. And uh, a guy like him, a guy like Andrew D'Agostini, the same thing. Uh, your young players, your Nick Robertson, sons of the world, 
can learn a lot uh, from, from just uh, taking in what those older players do every day, how they practice, how they prepare themselves, and uh, how they persevere uh, you know, through difficult job markets, uh, whatever comes their way, they manage it. And uh, it, it, there's a reason teams will spend money to bring veteran guys in like that. And high praise again from a guy like Rich Clune for Andrew D'Agostini, who is settling in just fine in the American Hockey League after the long and winding road uh, that it took him to get here. Uh, let's talk about uh, a rookie who is performing perhaps beyond some expectations, perhaps meeting some expectations, uh, not such a long and winding road for Zade Wisdom to get to the uh, American Hockey League, a, a little bit more normal, but uh, four games played, five points, four of those goals, a couple of multi-goal games for him. Uh, what have you noticed out of uh, the young former Kingston Frontenac in his early performances? Yeah, we're, we're uh, having a lot of uh, Scarborough uh, representation today, both with uh, Andrew D'Agostini and now Zade Wisdom. Uh, and as you heard in the clip, Rich Clune from uh, right nearby on the line. So uh, Zane Wisdom is just, he's a big personality. Uh, he's hes an enthusiastic uh, presence, uh, whether it's his media calls on the ice, you just watch the way he plays. He's having fun. Uh, he doesn't look like your typical 18-year-old who's uh, kind of timid in most cases. Mm -hmm. uh, he's... I spoke with Scott Gordon the other night, the head coach of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and he was remarking how uh, you have a guy like Zade Wisdom on the ice who's chirping at uh, the veteran players on the Binghamton Devils. And just it, it doesn't typically happen. Most, as Scott Gordon said, most 18-year-olds, if they're even in the lead, are there to be seen and not heard. Uh, a guy like Zade Wisdom, um, he's very uh, comfortable being in the, on the ice there. Uh, he more than looks like he belongs. And he's just had a fantastic start as a fourth round pick coming out of Kingston. Um, typically he'd be back in the OHL this year uh, under most circumstances, but uh, he's taking this opportunity and running with it. And, you know, depending on what happens with the OHL uh, for this season, uh, if he does stay in Lehigh Valley for the long term, it's going to be a huge advantage for the, that Phantoms team. And uh, the players there have just really kind of taken him under their wing. Uh, there, there's already, you can sense a great affection for him and for uh, what he brings. And uh, I think they they kind of get a kick out of his enthusiasm, as you'll hear in this clip. It definitely feels good. Uh, the boys are rolling now. We feel good. Uh, we had a good week of practice, came into this game, uh, looking forward to it. And now we're looking forward to get Wednesday started and then the weekend after that. Well, now can you not like the enthusiasm of a, a player like that, uh, a young guy coming in, 60 points just under that in the OHL last year after only putting up 10 points in his rookie season uh, in the Ontario Hockey League. And here he is uh, four games into his pro career and five points and just uh, rolling as far as the production goes. Uh, what does he attribute that success to? Through his five hole and then saw it uh, checking in, got her home. Uh, another grinder goal, but can't complain about that. They don't ask how, they ask how many, right? So not necessarily scoring in the, the prettiest of fashions, but uh, scoring nonetheless. And it's been a, an incredible start early on for Zane Wisdom. It makes you wonder, Pat, how long until perhaps the Philadelphia Flyers come calling for him. Uh, we saw Trevor Zegris get his uh, NHL call up this past week as well. And uh, some of these young guys are really uh, excelling here under these odd, strange circumstances. Yeah, I think that's the amazing thing is you think back maybe 10 years ago and if there even had been 18 year olds coming in, uh, they would have been 
very overmatched, uh, both from a physical standpoint and certainly from a, uh, a coachability standpoint. These players now are so much better prepared. Uh, they're coming in, and uh, it's not just your first-round picks that are handling it. It is a fourth-round pick like uh, Zade Wisdom, who's able to roll with the punches. Uh, they don't seem as intimidated uh, or perhaps um, awestruck. Uh, as younger players used to be. And I think that's in part due to the fact the league has become younger itself, but uh, they seem to be much more prepared. And uh, as hockey has become a much more serious and much uh, bigger business, uh, you're seeing all the way down to the junior level, uh, that investment in player development and training, and it's carrying in with these players. Uh, So a guy like Wisdom coming in at 18 years old, is just kind of the latest wave in that. And it's, it's refreshing to see some of these young kids come in and handle it and, and show that they belong. Uh, and it bodes great for his, for his uh, future development. He's going to be two years ahead of the curve in some ways. Uh, and he, you know, at this point, you know, if all goes well for him, he looks like he's on the, on the real track to the NHL before uh, too long with Philadelphia. Lots of teams around the AHL, you know, dealing with younger than usual rosters. One of those is the uh, Ontario Reign, the affiliate of the Los Angeles Kings. Some notable names on that roster, including Quinton Byfield, their first round pick. And a shout out to my hometown, Newmarket, Ontario, who, you know, just tends to produce these high caliber uh, hockey players. Uh, He's been outstanding so far in in settling in. And uh, the Ontario Reign have been handling this uh, influx of young talent again maybe more so than some other teams yeah they have nine players 20 years or younger uh one 18 year old and three 19 year olds on that roster so john robluski the rookie head coach himself uh has had his hands full and ontario despite all that talent certainly has struggled early on in terms of wins and losses uh but uh, as you'll hear in this clip coming up uh Robleski, who's uh, very familiar with, with dealing high with high-end talent from his time at the U.S. National Development Program, uh, is taking a very patient approach. Uh, he's looking he's looking long-term with these players. It's not so much winning now uh, at the expense of future development. So uh, he's going through that, and yet you can still hear the coach in him come through. That uh, he still kind of lives and dies with those losses. Uh, I don't think coaches are ever able to completely turn that off. And uh, he's a, he's an excellent interview. If anybody has an opportunity to, to speak with John Robluski, I highly recommend it. Uh, we had him on the show back in the summertime after he was hired. And uh, he's a lot of great insight here on, on what those young LA Kings players are going through. Well, I think it, number one, it, it starts off um, with their individual development and, mm-hmm. and along, along that road, it's, it's not, it's making sure that our, our meetings, we are, we're, we're piling on individual meetings with, with each player, trying to get them to, to play their best game, to understand what, what they need to do for, for their success. And, uh, that's always been a, a belief of mine. If you can, if you can bolster the individual, uh, and then, and then teach him within the team ideals, cause each guy's got to do, do the job a different way. It's, it would be, uh, you know, it, it'd be, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to tell Cali have to forecheck the same way that Madden does. Right. So yeah. uh, they're just trying to, trying to bolster the individual uh, as much as possible. And, and these guys, I, I do think that they understand the process. I, I think that they're, 
there's there the the losing part is is unbelievably hard to to take afterwards um at this point but you also see so much promise every game i think if if we if we didn't have the first period that we had tonight then i would say today was just a complete and total even though the score was tight and we were we were in like that'd be a total loss but there's so much to build off of on that first period i mean we're trying to we're trying to cultivate all these new players into one style that they've never played before, where they have to, they have to try to get on the grind first. They've, they've very little appreciation at the beginning for the, the grind sets up your skill. And so we're, we're trying to rebrand DNA. Um, and there's a lot of players that have to go through it. And so you don't necessarily have a, a group of second, third, or even, you know, above uh, table setters. We've got a great collection of, of veterans, but there's still a, so many young guys that it, it's it, when it pops for these guys. And, it, and you know what, it might not happen even this year. They might, it might not pop as a collective unit, but we're building something bigger. And uh, I have, I have patience with that. I, I think that every day there's a different message Um and there's we're, we're unlocking, I think, different pieces of the game uh, with every meeting. And uh, you, that's we're just going to keep chipping away at it. And I think that's the approach that you kind of have to take this year. A lot of teams are, are taking that look forward uh, kind of perspective. We're taking that here on the program as far as looking ahead to 21, 22 and what that season can bring. But um, interesting to, to have a, a young head coach dealing with so many young players and all of them kind of working out their growing pains together. Yeah. At every level, these players have been dominant. I mean, start with a Quinton Byfield second overall pick uh, 82 points last year in 45 games in Sudbury. And uh, frankly was many times looking uh, well above the level of competition that the OHL presented. Uh, well, you come to the American hockey league, you're playing against, guys who have NHL games uh, to their name. And we saw that this past week and the Colorado Eagles came in and they got TJ Tyne and a guy who's played in the NHL, a guy who's uh, won a Calder Cup at this level, uh, been a finalist another time. And you can see that difference, uh, that young players going against uh, some of that uh, mid-20s, late-20s talent. Uh, it can be a big difference. And uh, even for players as, as accomplished as a Quinton Byfield, or Rasmus Kupari or Tobias Bjornfoot, you go right down that list of, of top, top prospects in the LA system. Uh, it's a difference. And those players uh, are struggling to get over that hump right now. Uh, but they, you know, fortunately for them, they have a guy like Grabowski in their corner. He's uh, extremely diligent in what he does in terms of teaching. And uh, I think these struggles, this will pass. And going through it, I think long-term will be for the best for these young prospects. To round out our trip around the league this week, we go from a rookie head coach to a very experienced head coach, but one that is still dealing with some struggles early on in the season after a 6-1 win over Utica to open the campaign. The uh, Syracuse Crunch have lost four in a row uh, to Wilkes-Barre, Utica, and Rochester twice. And uh, Ben Grew is uh, needing to do a little bit of work with his crunch group here. Yeah, Coach Ben is is not a happy camper right now. Uh, he is um, not impressed by what he's seen. He has a difficult challenge this year. They brought in Florida Panthers prospects as well. So they're in a split affiliation situation. Uh, and it's been an up and down thing. And, and he's a demanding coach, uh, even 
two years ago when they had a 102 point season, he was extremely uh, persistent, extremely uh, high expectations for those young players. And I mean, and that's the standard. Uh, when we had Stacy Roost on a few weeks ago, that's the Tampa Bay standard uh, where it's just high, high expectations. Uh, there's no let up. And the intensity factor there is very real. So, uh, you know, a four-game losing streak for a guy like Ben Grew, you can see how that would get under his skin very quickly, especially to start the season. We've been working with those guys, whether they're uh, pro players or underager, and we've been with them for uh, a month now. So they know they know what we're all about. They know what to expect. I think. Uh, Some guys are making the best of their opportunity. Some other guys, they're looking at the train. They're waiting at the train station and the train's passing in front of them. And those guys are not making the best of their opportunity. So the coach wants guys to seize that opportunity. Uh, Carpe diem, seize the day, take the chance that you have here. And uh, I mean, he's, you mentioned it can be kind of an intense coach. Uh, I would imagine that message is going to get through pretty quickly. Oh yeah, that uh, he's very calculated in what he puts out there to to the media and sends his players messages, and that's just through the media. We can only imagine what he's saying inside the dressing room. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's he's absolutely correct. Uh, I think the the theme of this this show has been opportunity. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a 27 year old like like Andrew D'Agostini, get your first real shot at this lead, or you're an 18 year old like Zade Wisdom who's coming in and just jumping at a chance. Uh, ben Grew is saying that if you get an opportunity, you may only get one at this level if you're lucky. And uh, you better jump on that uh, train when you can because you don't know if and when that next train will be coming by again. So uh, I think it's a very sharp and very pointed message he's sending to his players. And I expect them, when they do get back on the ice, uh, that uh, there's going to be a much different approach. Uh, he's not going to stand for this very much longer. And while some players may only get one shot, uh, luckily for you, the listeners, you get multiple shots at around the A. You can listen back to old episodes at sportspodcastingnetwork.com. Uh, the easier thing to do is to subscribe to the podcast, uh, rate and review as well. Follow us on social media at around the A pod. Make sure you don't miss an episode because as I say, more than one shot, uh, a weekly shot of around the A here um, on the Sports Podcasting Network. Uh, looking ahead here to uh, next week, Pat, I think the big thing for me is when is the Canadian division schedule going to come out? What's you know the, either the next batch of games or the remainder of the season going to look like for them? Uh, we'll look to see if the Chicago Wolves can stay undefeated as well. Uh, what are you going to be looking for in the next week or so? All of the above. Uh, certainly the Canadian division schedule is a big piece of news uh, for everybody and certainly we we want to see that next step taken uh, certainly keep an eye on the COVID situation uh, see which teams are able to stay on track with that and I think uh, certainly uh, the San Jose Barracuda finally returning home is a story uh, they've been on this kind of month-long road journey through the American Southwest having training camp in Arizona, going off to Texas for some games. Then they missed a bunch of games this past weekend. And finally back home, they've had just an amazing uh, odyssey. And I think the last thing I'm going to keep an eye on is this NHL-CHL situation Mm -hmm. where you're seeing top, top 
elite first round picks who have to go back to the Canadian Hockey League, uh, in this case, the Western Hockey League. We saw Peyton Krebs sent back by the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, he was a point per game player. He had a three point night in one game. Uh, and that could apply uh, at some point to Seth Jarvis, uh, who's, you know, on track uh, to lead, you know, take over the scoring lead in this league. Uh, player that, I mean, he may be at this level uh, or at this point too good for the American Hockey League, let alone the Western Hockey League, which is a, a big drop off. So that's going to be an interesting uh, challenge. Uh, I think that's a, a story to keep an eye on long term because uh, there are some general managers around the NHL, around the American Hockey League. They're not too thrilled about this situation mm-hmm. where you have players that they have their hands on now that they're able to work with day in and day out. And now they have to send them back to the, uh, junior level. Uh, I don't think they're thrilled about that. Well, I, I know they're not thrilled about that from hearing the, you know, speaking with them. So that that's a big issue that I think is going to uh, be on the on the front burner for quite a while here. Uh, but uh, as you said, uh, we're here every week. We go hard. Uh, we we went through months, and I mean months of pandemic talk. Uh, so the fact that we're finally back on the ice and can uh, you know discuss, let's say, hockey. It is a nice thing for us, and uh, we'll be back next week for sure. Yeah, COVID's still uh, kind of an overarching theme, of course, but it becomes more and more of a footnote every day um, as far as, you know, do we have to talk about it? Are games being canceled, et cetera? It's, uh, we can breeze by it a little bit and move on to the important stuff, which is player development this year. And uh, we'll continue to do that next week. Stay tuned uh, to our uh, social media at Around the A Pod to uh, find out who's coming up next week. But for now, one more reminder to uh, subscribe to the pod, rate and review, and be sure to join us again next week on Around the A on the Sports Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening to Around the A. Be sure to tune in again next week. Find Around the A on the Sports Podcasting Network, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Interact with us on social media. Give us your thoughts using the hashtag AroundTheA and follow us at AroundTheAPod. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.